The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Ops, ops, ops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Side studies. I don't make fun of people on the side studies. I only do that in the regular room with everybody else. Well, that's not that's not cool. Why can't we make fun of people all the time? I want you to make fun of Joel Osteen next time. So start prepping. Okay. You should you should watch him when he's on Larry King Live. And Larry King's like, okay, so I'm a Jew. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, am I going to hell? Well, Larry, you know, listen, I don't know. Well, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm a Jew. But I know Jesus was a Jew, but I don't believe in him. And so I'm a Jew. So am I going to hell? Larry, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to tell him. Whatever. And he's just like really backing down hardcore, you know. Funny. So all the Christians across the world are like, you're, you're terrible. And then all the other people are like, oh, he's very sweet and kind. And, you know, mm. it was pretty sad. But my favorite Larry King live was uh, whenever Jerry Seinfeld was on. And uh, he goes, Seinfeld, it was a huge show. Were you canceled? <laughs> Have you seen that? No. And Jerry Seinfeld is, are you serious, Larry? You thought I was canceled? You think I'm canceled? Don't get hurt, Jerry. I'm just asking a question. You think I was canceled? We were the number one show in America, you know? For like a hundred years. Yeah. Cool. It's funny. Well, welcome back to the Borough Burroughs of Berea Side Study. I'm here with Cherry Lewis. Hello. And Andy Bishop. Hey. Here at Draft Studio, I'm Rick Welch. And uh, we, Andy brought up something really cool. Uh, he sent me this TikTok in regard to Lucifer. Because we're hip kids. That's right. So we get our some of our learnings from TikTok people. Everybody should know that I actually do not have TikTok, and so I have to go online to see this. I don't actually open up the app, you know. But hey, right, so you have the app, I assume, Andy? Oh, of course. How about you? No. Do I not I look don't. like a hip kid to you? <laughs> so Facebook's not hip anymore? Oh, I hear you it's, laughing. It's, eh? it's, 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 Facebook is terrible, and so is Twitter. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've been on either one of them lately, uh, but the cesspools of, uh, cesspools yeah. of hate and poo-flinging yeah. for the most part. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, out of the blue, I was up visiting my grandmother in Tennessee, and I got this text from Andy, and he's, it's something that he was interested in, and I think we should do a thorough study, not only on this, but also on any of the other heavenly beings. So uh, without further ado, and against all copyright infringement laws, I'm going to play the—I don't throw on any, but let's play this and see how it sounds. Are Jesus and Lucifer brothers? Lucifer? The fallen angel who became the devil? In Roman mythology? No, the Bible. There's no fallen angel Lucifer in the Bible. But Isaiah 14, 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? That's right. The King James Bible makes a unique mistake of taking the Latin word Lucifer with a lowercase l, which just means the morning star or Venus, and turning it into a proper name. That's a mistranslation of the Hebrew, which just means brilliant or shining one. And there's no other translation I can find, including the Latin Vulgate, from which the King James is taken, that uses the word Lucifer here with a capital L. It's not meant to be a name. So where does this idea come from that 
that Lucifer is a fallen angel. Roman mythology and fan fiction mostly. Really? Yeah, the Romans had a god named Lucifer, also known as the Lightbringer. The idea of Lucifer as a celestial being may come from that. The falling part may come from the movement of the planet itself that looks like it's falling to Earth sometimes. And the fan fiction, Dante's Inferno, where Lucifer is the ruler of hell, Vondel's play, where Lucifer is a rebellious angel, and there's Milton's Paradise Lost, where Lucifer is a rebellious angel who goes to war against God, gets cast out of heaven, and banished to hell. There he becomes Satan and plots humanity's downfall by turning into a serpent and tempting Eve with forbidden fruit. That's the story I know! It's great storytelling, but it's not in the Bible. <laughs> uh, I I love that she calls that stuff all fa fan fiction. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> hilarious. That is the best use of the word fan fiction. <laughs> Paradise, you know, the fan fiction. Yeah, the Bible right fanfic. The it punched me right in the mouth. <laughs> Bible fanfic, Paradise Lost. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... Oh, it's not an unfair characterization, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, so she's 100% accurate. She is correct. The King James translators did use the Latin Vulgate as one of their sources. And among their notes, they mentioned this, that it's more of a transliteration instead of a translation. A transliteration is like the word baptism. That word didn't exist in the English language. It's a transliteration from baptizo which means to immerse in water or to dunk or to dip. So it, instead of being John the Baptist, he could have been known as John the Dipper or John the Plunger, <laughs> right? But instead, they call him John the Baptist because they translated the transliterated the word baptizo. Well, that's what Lucifer is. Lucifer is nothing more than a Latin word for day star or the light one, which is basically the star Venus, okay? However, in Isaiah, it's very interesting because it's very descriptive. And so, she is 100% correct about the word Lucifer. What she's not correct about is that this is discussing the fall of something. And in the Hebrew, in the ancient traditions, a lot of times, the star, like, Christ is called the bright and morning star. And so, if you were to look at bright star, Lucifer is a very close, like, translation to Christ almost. It's very close, because he's known as the morning star. And so, the stars were considered these heavenly bodies, you know, and some of them were, they were given these names, and, uh, you know, the, the Magi, of course, they watched for the star of Bethlehem. There's a lot of things about stars. Look at the stars, Abraham, you know, and that's where he hears the gospel from. So, she's right, but what I'm going to do, she is correct, actually, um, and especially about the, fan, the biblical fan fiction. She is accurate, um, but there is something unique, and I don't know if you read that, but it is in Isaiah chapter 14. But I, I always read in the King James Version, and today um, I'm going to show you the difference in the King James Version and the common English Version, just so you can sort of hear the differences, okay? So, if you don't know who Isaiah was, uh, he was a prophet in the Old Testament that he prophesies a lot about what's going to happen to Israel, but also about the coming Messiah. And so, this is a unique position. He's sort of mocking a tyrant, this is what Israel is mocking a time, like the king of Babylon, okay? Mm -hmm. So, if you don't know the history, I'll give you a really, really quick one. Nebuchadnezzar II uh, sacks Jerusalem, and he takes the young children, and he brings them and exiles them to Babylon. Jeremiah had prophesied that this was going to happen, that it was going to last for 70 years, which it did, and the people were in Babylon 
for 70 years, okay? And during this time, that's when these other prophets start cropping up. But Daniel is in the midst of all of this, and he becomes second in command to Nebuchadnezzar, okay, over time, because he interprets a dream of okay. Nebuchadnezzar's. So, wh- what time period are we talking about? I guess relative to Christ, because that's the easiest reference. Yeah, so 700 years prior to Christ's birth. I would okay. say in anywhere between 740 to six. 80. I, I actually, I think the Babylonian captivity was in 586. Okay. I honestly don't have all of it. No, no, that's that's fine. I just a general reference because it feels like like I'm I'm missing some knowledge. I feel like that you're that you yeah, take a little for granted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it, that's fine. That that happened. I think it was in between. Let's say between 500 and 600 BC is when this happened. The Babylonian captivity, and so Daniel and his prophecies, Isaiah and their prophecies, all of this is, you know, anywhere from five to seven hundred years prior to the birth of Christ. Okay. Okay. So Isaiah writes in in uh, I. It's chapter 14, starting in verse 3. It says, When the Lord has given you rest from pain and trouble and from the hard labor that you perform, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. This is the common English, okay? How the oppressor has ceased, how the flood has receded, the Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the rod of tyrants, that struck peoples in rage with ceaseless blows, that ruled nations with anger, with relentless aggression. All the earth rests quietly, then it breaks into song. Even the cypresses rejoice over you, the cedars of Lebanon, since you were laid low. No logger comes up against us. The underworld beneath becomes restless to greet your arrival. It awakens the ghosts, all the leaders of earth. It makes the kings of the nations rise from their thrones. All of them speak and say to you, even you've become weak like we are. You are the same as us. Your majesty has been brought down to the underworld, along with the sound of your harps. Under you is a bed of maggots, and worms are your blanket. How you've fallen from heaven, morning star, son of dawn. You are cut down to earth, helpless on your back. You said to yourself, I will climb up to heaven. Above God's stars, I will raise my throne. I'll sit on the Mount of Assembly, on the heights of Zephon. I'll go up to the cloud tops. I'll be like the Most High, but down to the underworld you are brought, to the depths of the pit. So that's the common English version. If you notice, I said morning star. Yeah. That's the proper translation of that word. So the King James Version, it it does this too. And you can see... There's some wicked king that's that thought that he could reach the heights even above their god, and he was demolishing them. Think about it. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed their temple. They haven't had sacrifices in this time period. So this is an awful thing for this entire nation. They they can't even perform their own religion uh-huh. because of this guy. And he's like, sure. you're going to get above God, and this is it. So what happened was the church took this, and they said, well, if it's evil, it's bad. It's got to be Satan. And that's pretty much what happened. I mean, that's really what happened here. They they used what happened about this king of Babylon who is going to be thrown down low. But in in chapter 14, verse 12, in the King James Version, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Huh. It's a transliterated word. It's yeah. the same word as Lucifer. We're just saying it in English, and so we gave it a name. Yeah, and so, yeah, it was capitalized, or like she said. That's, yep. that's neat. And then it just kind of went back to the that sort of line of thought that all evil comes from Satan, sort yes. of. And so, yeah, that was a, it was something Satan did in a manner of speaking then, because all sin comes from Satan in some manner, I guess. that At least some people believe that way. Well, re- yes. I mean, I think that it started by Satan deceiving the two in the garden that, you know, we always talk about the, you know, that they ate of the tree of knowledge, but you got to understand it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that serpent 
had deceived them in the garden. Okay. And I think it's in, you know, forgive me for taking too long here, but I'm going to look it up. I think it's Revelation chapter 12. It talks about Satan and his fall from heaven. And so I think when they, when you read those two things, it, it kind of lends you to believe because there's a war in heaven. Um, and I do want to bring up something that I talked about earlier. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but this is an amazing section. But I'm going to read Revelation 12. Uh, and let's get out of the King James. I'm going into the Common English Bible. Then a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because she was in labor, in pain from giving birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. It was a great fiery red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven royal crowns on his head. His tail swept down a third of heaven's stars and threw them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was snatched up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the desert where God had prepared a place for her. There she will be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they did not prevail, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. So the great dragon was thrown down, the old snake, who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now the salvation and power and kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. So, there is that old, and when we read King James, it says the serpent, uh-huh. the devil, or Satan. Okay, so that's when you find out, truthfully, you find out that it's Satan that was in the garden. That's when you find at the end of the Bible in Revelations, when you find out that Satan was the one that was really in the garden. So it's, wow, you know, it's, oh, yeah. this has been going on for a while. The problem, and I, I want to do this side study. I really do. I want to keep going down this path because I think it's important to understand, in my opinion, where the church went wrong. Okay, not only just on Lucifer, but on a lot of these things in regard to God and Satan. The current church is more dualist than anything. God, Satan. I think it's probably just easy to understand. It's probably an easy leaping off point for a lot of people. Yeah. Have you ever read in the Bible and get confused? Like when it says, and it says, ye are gods, and it's little g. I don't think that really confused me. Let me ask you about I, this commandment. I took it more like, sorry, you know, whatever they idolized mm-hmm. as right. little gods. Yeah. In other words, it wasn't a god at all. It was just something that they idolized. Yeah. Okay. One of the Ten Commandments says, I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt have no, no other, other gods. gods before me. That, you don't make a graven image. That would be idolatry. He, he talks about graven images and not having them, and it's idolatry. But he says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So is it possible that when God said that, that he had created other gods? Have you ever thought of that? Yeah. I mean, when you think about aliens and you go off on that one, people say, you know, he could have created worlds before this world and he <laughs> yeah. could have created gods before this god. And I mean, you know, possibilities are endless. I just, I don't really give much thought to that. It is a confusing, I think, a confusing uh, phrase. But But it's like, I don't know, being the odd man out, I'll take the other the other route. To, and, and there's a way in which you just need to, again, you need to know what is translated from because 
you should have no gods before me to me could also mean uh, that, how, how do I explain this the right way? Just means that like where, where I am, there should be no other gods. And so, you know, if, if I am your God, there are no other gods to you. Mm-hmm. Just more, yeah, I don't know. Cause I kind of, I read it that way, strangely enough, mm-hmm. where you'd think I'd be the one looking for the, the pantheism so that you could just destroy yeah, us. Yeah, that I'd yeah. be looking for the pantheism, but <laughs> right. I, I, I just I just kind of read it like where I am, you should have the knowledge that there are no other gods. Because mm-hmm. not because there are other gods that need to be eliminated. It is just like there's I'm an the understanding. There's an understanding that you need to know that they don't exist, that they aren't there. Yeah. It 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 confuses me all to get out when I read the scriptures and I, I come across those kinds of things. Okay, because there's a group of gods called the Baals. You've heard of the Baals, right? And uh, the when Jesus is encountering you know the Pharisees, they say you know he casts out demons. He comes from Beelzebub. Yeah. That is Baal. Dash Zabub. It's the name of one of the Baal gods who ends up being Satan. Well, he, you know, you think you're from Abraham and you say that you believe the scriptures and the prophets and the Psalms, yet they write of me. Like that's what he's, you know, he's arguing back and forth with them. But in this particular instance, what we're talking about is the initial creation. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about a divine council. So this is something I want to read to you because I literally want to blow your minds, okay? And I I really do. I'm here for it. Yep. Are you ready? So I really want to... Oh, the Red Sox are playing the Braves tonight. Um, (laughs) I know. So let's... What's that? Those are your little gods. So I'm going to read this. I want to read it in the King James first. Here we go. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Okay, he wipes out all of his kids and takes all his money away. Done. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the second chapter. Now I'm going to go to Common English because I just want not because there's anything wrong with it. I just want to read the Common English. It, it'll make more sense sometimes. One day the divine beings came to present themselves before the Lord. The adversary also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to the adversary. Where have you come from? Remember, he asked him that question before. The adversary answered the Lord, from wandering throughout the earth. The Lord said to the adversary, have you thought about my servant Job? 
This is the second time he's asked him after he's killed all of his kids and wiped them out. Have you thought about my servant Job? For there is none like him on earth, a man who is honest, who is of absolute integrity, who reveres God and avoids evil. He still holds on to his integrity. Even after all that, he still holds on to his integrity, even though you incited me to ruin him for no reason. You notice how it, it says you incited me? God opened up the conversation asking me, have you considered him? Yeah, that's funny. But Satan actually did incite him because that's Satan's nature. He's the adversary. The inciting is just, it's obvious when he walks in the room. Oh, what do you want now, mister? Who do you want to mess with today? Yeah. But this is a, in our belief, in our beliefs, this is a true story, not just some fable. Like this is, this actually happened, right? For us. And so we're like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? So he says, even though you incited me to ruin him for no reason, the adversary responded to the Lord, skin for skin, people will give up everything they have in exchange for their lives, but stretch out your hand and strike his bones and flesh, then he will definitely curse you to your face. The adversary obviously wants this man to curse him, right? The Lord answered the adversary, there he is within your power, only preserve his life. So the adversary departed from the Lord's presence and struck Job with severe sores from the sole of his foot to the top of his head. Job took a piece of broken pottery to scratch himself and sat down on a mound of ashes. But listen who Job left for him. Job's wife said to him, Are you still clinging to your integrity? Curse God and die. You know, he's probably thinking, oh, Why didn't you take her? Right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Job... Job said to her, you're talking like a foolish woman. Will you receive good from God, but not also receive bad? And all this, Job didn't sin with his lips. What a unique man Job was. That's why they call him righteous Job. Even going through all of that, he didn't. But you learn a little bit about Satan. You also learn a little bit about the divine counsel. There is a throne room, and God is on the throne, and there are those that are around him, okay? We learn about these other beings. Gabriel was an important messenger angel that came to Joseph and came to Mary and said, you have been chosen to bring the Christ child into the world. So we learn about this otherworldly thing. These angels that you hear about, they're obviously terrifying because every time someone sees them, they say, fear not. <laughs> whatever they're seeing is scaring the crap out of them. Did you have something to say? I thought I did, but then I didn't. <laughs> so you learn about Michael. I just read about him in Revelation. And then Michael, the archangel, he's he's this warrior angel. And some of these people who have studied the scriptures believe that Jesus and Michael are the same thing. I do not. I don't think they're the same. I think I've that, definitely never heard that one. Yeah. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that. And I know some, I have read some, uh, I believe G.K. Chesterton had believed that. And there were some other... Uh, some pretty well-known people that have written, you know, in this, you know, on the scriptures about it, that thinks that Michael is the same man. I uh, oh, actually Matthew Henry, Matthew Henry's commentary. Have you ever heard of that commentary? Mm -mm. Yeah, it's a very well-known commentary. He says it. You know, he believes it too. And he, I mean, this guy made a commentary on the entire scriptures, and it's pretty thorough. So, but not Henry David thorough. Yep. <laughs> Insert rim shot. I used to work with a guy that said, uh, I said. You're so thorough, like Henry David. And he said, I'm more of a Keats man. <laughs> he did it so, so quick. He was so... Anyway. Yeah, that's that's witty. That's too witty for me. Yeah. <laughs> so you've learned, you know, through the book of Job, you've learned that there's this council where these people are coming. We know of these other beings, and you read Ezekiel, and you hear about the seraphim. You hear about the cherubim. You hear about those... Um, that are in heaven, that there are some angels that are that have wings that go up, 
above their head and down below their feet and then horizontally. It almost looks like a cross, and they're around the throne, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Like, that's that's all they say. They're saying it right now. That's all they do. That's their whole purpose of being. That's a bum gig. <laughs> that's exactly what I used to think. Like, really? That's all they do? You know, but we've never been in the presence of God that close all the time. We don't know what it's like. I don't know. But I kind of feel the way you do. It's kind of like, is it really? You know, it's like when they take a break, you know, and they're like, hey, Ralph, hey, Sam. This, <laughs> yeah. Have you got all the holies in? You know, it's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm getting pretty wore out, you know. It's a rough job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Clock back in. Do you remember the Ralph and Sam? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The sheepdog. and miss the... those cartoons. <laughs> I do, too. I, it's like... It's like a little bit of a shame the children don't get to see them. Maybe that's just one of those like back in my day things, like misdirected a little bit. But yeah, they were they were fun. Anyway, I'm going to segue back into that. So Lucifer and all of these things, you know, that we're talking about uh, Satan and all of this. I can see where they get it from because if you mingle what came from Revelation with Isaiah, you can see where they were cast down from heaven. Christ even said after he sent out the seventy disciples, he said, "I saw Satan falling from heaven." You know, like this. And it, and it comes in all these strange time frames, and you're trying to put it together, and it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know. But the more that I've studied this, the more I've begun to see some unique things about the divine counsel, like that surrounding of God. And so you start learning. It seems like, without being pantheist, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know, but I am firmly studying this, and I want to get into this on the side study. It seems like in the book of Genesis, there was, in chapter 10, there was a laying out of the 70 nations. It's like there was a God over every nation. and But the Hebrews had Yahweh, who was the creator of all. He was the one, the single God. He was the preeminent one. Now, when, he, when we talk about the worshiping of other gods, he's talking to them, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I am the one for you, whereas these other ones. But then, you know, Elisha or Elijah, when he's with the prophets, do you remember that story? Wherever he's sitting there and he, there's 400 prophets of Baal. Yes. And do you remember how he lays out the bull and he lays out the wood and he's like, call on your God to burn up this sacrifice from heaven. And they go through all this Cut stuff. Cut themselves. Cut themselves yeah. and they're going crazy and nothing happens. And then... Elijah goes and gets the water, and he pours it all over it, pours the water on it. You know, while he was sitting there, it's almost joking. He's like, "Where, where's your God at? What's he doing? Is he on the toilet? <laughs> He's just hanging out, you know? Doesn't show up. And then suddenly he calls on the fire from heaven, and it comes out, and it consumes it up, laps up the water. And then, like every great Christian story, he takes the 400 prophets down and beheads them all. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> yeah. And at Inspiration Park, and, and Elijah cut the head off 400 prophets. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that was a callback, everybody. Listen to the other app. You have to. And uh, my fiance and, you know, her parents, they love gospel music. And I played that little section for them. And they're, you know, looking at, not my fiance, but the parents are like, oh, how dare you? And then they were like, have you ever heard of the King's Boys? And I was like, what's that? It's a, it's a quartet. Or it's a where it's like the Kingsman. You ever heard of the Kingsman? Yes. It was their 
children, or it was like it was like a, a group of small. They call the King's Boys, and I was like, no, I don't think I've ever heard them. So she was like, oh, well, you got to hear them; they're great. You know, and I'm thinking to myself. Yeah, they're great. I'm sure they are. And so she brings the video and you're never going to believe it. They're all wearing pink shirts and funny <laughs> ties and they're singing the song. Oh my God. So it's exactly like the <laughs> cliche that you were talking I about. I just see Mary Poppins yeah. when you do that. When you say that, I just see Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm picturing too. I didn't realize that, but yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. I don't know. It's just, just where my the, head goes. It goes yeah. all over there somewhere. Like the know. barbershop quartet. Like you can understand them. They're wearing those funny little barbershop hats and they've got the striped suits and they're, you know, singing those songs. And my favorite ones are the ones on like Family Guy, you know, where they just like pop up out of nowhere and they start singing some weird song. If only that would happen occasionally in life. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I miss it. I think that, that actually happened on the, the show Friends. There was like a barbershop quartet that sang for Ross. Ross sends yeah, a message to Rachel. Right, yeah. Your your boyfriend, Ross, you know? <laughs> that's what I think of. You know, I can't help it. I am not a fan of quartet music. I'm just not. So, it's, whatever. It's impressive, but uh, but no, it's not really for me. Sure, yeah. So, anyway, the, the next thing I'm going to read, and then I'm going to wrap this up. This was more of an introduction on what we're getting sure. into, okay? And so, I'm going to wrap this up here. But I'm going to read... Have you, Andy, have you ever heard of the Nephilim? Probably just here. I feel like you've said that word. Have I? Here? I don't know. Uh, no, other than that, I don't think so. I just, I, I recognize that I've heard the word in my lifetime. Yep. All right. So this, this all starts back in the book of Genesis. Okay. Genesis chapter six. And I'm going to read it in the King James version because it, it the, the words, sons of God is kind of like that repetitive. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. Okay. We just, we just got lost in genealogy in my head, like my uncle's brother's cousin's best friend's roommate. <laughs> yeah. What happened? So, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, it's talking about the divine council, those beings, okay, okay saw the daughters of men that they were fair. So basically- Oh, they thought they were hot. They did. They thought these ladies were hot and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he- also was flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. So that's when he sets the 120-year mark. No more 900 years, mm-hmm. you know, lives. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Huh, okay. So basically this group from heaven saw the daughters of men and decided to come and procreate with them. And that's when these fallen angels had children. And these angels that come to earth are called the Nephilim. That's where it comes from. And there is this pseudepigraphal book called the Book of Enoch. All right, and I think it's a three-volume set. 
And there is a tremendous amount of information about these particular beings, okay? And the Nephilim, they're also called the Watchers. And there's only one time in Scripture where it actually uses the Watchers. It actually says the Watchers. They're the ones that are watching men, like hmm. keeping an eye on them, and then they're going to come in, and they're going to procreate with them. They're going to do all these things. And they create the giants. That's where Goliath and all of his brothers came from. They were direct descendants. But as these... It's unique. These Nephilim that came to earth like this and procreated with men, once their bodies died, their spirits remained. And that's where demons come from. Huh. And they go into different hosts. And that's when Christ arrives. That's who they are. Christ has come to eliminate the Nephilim and to demolish and destroy them and send them to the pit forever in due time. You have thoughts? Yeah. Let's hear it. So, if that happened, that was before the flood. That's correct. If everybody got wiped out, except mm-hmm. for Noah and his family, mm-hmm. then you'd have to say they came back down and procreated again. Mm-hmm. So, here's the thing. Whenever you hear that the flood affected the, wor- affected the world, right? Did it affect the entire earth, or did it, infect, did it affect the world where his people were? To my understanding, it was the whole earth. That's what a lot of people say. A lot of people think that it was the entire Earth, and that's where it happened. Again, I, I think I'm the one that's gonna that sees the loophole here. Let's hear it. Uh, it just that so if demons are the spirits, like sure, if the flood killed all of them, but you're left with demons. That's right. The spirits are still here. Yeah, the spirits are still here, even if in the flesh is all dead. I, mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking. So if later on down the line you had Goliath, yep, who was a descendant of this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if the flesh was gone, oh, okay. where yeah, are you going to okay. get that big body? Uh, well, let okay. me ask you this All question. Right. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right. So, there were only eight people that survived, right? According to the Bible. Okay. So, would it be safe to say that the wives that were with the sons, that it's possible that they could be carrying through them? Possible. Maybe. But then how would... Well, why? Well, what if it was their daughters? Who who says that Goliath is a descendant of them? Where it's just because he's a giant. He's it's huge. just because he's a giant. He, he might was just nine be a foot, big dude. He was yeah, nine foot be. nine inches tall. Yeah, so was Andre the giant. He wasn't nine foot. Well, he was seven foot one. Let's say he's seven foot but there two, have and been the rest is apocryphal. Then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? How how big is that? That uh, that Chinese basketball player that is Yao Ming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yao Ming. Yeah. I don't think he's nine feet. Seven eleven. He's monster though. I yeah. mean, that is a huge human. Yeah, but would you so. still say, I mean, so he, he's this tall, 7'11". Yes. Well, we used to live 900 years. Mm-hmm. Now we live maybe 100. Yep. So maybe the giant still may not necessarily be son, uh, a descendant from those. May not be. It, we just might have got a little bit smaller. We're no longer 9 feet. We're now 7'11". I, d- I don't know. I'm just looking for once again, know. I'm just like the the curious the curious argument is to look. I was for just the, thinking if everybody got wiped out. No, yeah, I, then yeah, how? Totally. It, like if the whole point was to, which I've always thought this too. I thought, Lord, if you only found Noah to be worth keeping, but you knew Noah was born into sin just like everyone else, mm-hmm. if you wiped all these people out, it's almost like, well, what did you think was eventually going to happen anyway? Mm-hmm. Still got the same thing going on there. Well, how long was it like after he got out of the flood that he got? Hammered drunk. Oh, no one gets what, hammered like, drunk. Chapter then, or two. I don't know. I think one <laughs> of the sons. <laughs> I mean, I don't like. Yeah, like it one of the. Doesn't seem very long. Yeah. The minute the boat hits ground, he's got a whiskey <laughs> still up. I don't know where his wife went. 
<laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, suddenly that you know he's he's hammered drunk, and then all of the you know the, the daughters kids. go in, and yeah. Well, no, there was the well, there that was you're thinking of Lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Noah was where the, the sons sun. went in there. Yeah. One, well, two of the sons covered him, and one of the sons looked. You know. Yeah. And so then they, you know, he gets cast out. <laughs> you know. So there you go. I mean, it's there's the the Bible is rife with some interesting, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, the, stories. The Old Testament is, uh, yeah. And, and it's so funny because, in, like, in the New Testament, it's like, and Noah was a righteous man. You know. The faith of Noah. I mean, if you think about it, it never rained before, and God said, "I want you to build a boat." <laughs> you know, well, what's yeah, that's a boat? Pretty faithful. Yeah. If that's yeah, what's if a that's boat? To be taken literally. Yeah, that's and it's pretty said faithful. that he preached all the way up until the time that the door was closed, and God closed the door on it. That uh, he couldn't even close the door. Yeah, God had to close the door on the boat. And it did you know it was a little mad? It was pitched with tar in and out. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Have you see the Noah's Sad Ark or whatever it's called? Yeah, it was. Was that what it called? Pitch. Yeah, I okay. think it was called pitch, like tar and pitch, like the kind of stuff that they, you know, put on guys and throw feathers on them. You know, yeah, tarred and feathered. Well, anyway, when you see Noah's Ark, it's this beautiful boat, long, big boat. You know, it's just floating in the water. That thing looked like almost it was covered in black tar and like just. You know, like a big Looks like a bad booger. roofing job. It's like a booger floating in the water. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> a bad roofing job. I guess, <laughs> I guess that makes sense that it would have to be covered with something like that because it's it's difficult to bind wood, mm-hmm. slats of wood tightly enough to really be watertight consistently. That's a yeah. difficult thing. So it makes sense that a boat that old, they would have to like do something. Yeah, I mean, what did they do with all the animal refuse? Overboard, baby. It was completely you closed up. You couldn't get out. It was one, one little For window. 40 days of poo, there was some... Yeah, it's Have like, you ever been to the... Um, the Ark Museum? Yes, no. I went. And? It was very interesting, but that was one of the things that it was saying in there was that if you really think about it, you're in this boat... What a pile of crap. ...with these people and then all these animals. Ugh, so much piss. And, you know, most people... Yeah, <laughs> most people are thinking, oh, how awesome, but they're like, think about that. So, I... I, so there was one window and a steady procession of of <laughs> yes. feces to that window. I mean, <laughs> they just ran shovels through that window. I mean, enough thing. ammonia, your eyes will oh. water. Yeah, and we all wonder why Noah got hammered. <laughs> you know, he finally got off the boat and he's like, "Oh man, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let the wine flow." You know, <laughs> interesting. Well, let's end the podcast here. I think that. Uh, we'll go into the next side study and we'll start breaking down some of these things. Do you, I, I think I would like to pursue a little bit more about the Nephilim, uh, maybe just get a little bit deeper into that. But also I want, when we talk about Christ, you know, we joke and we, we say all the things we do, but when Christ came to earth, he managed to do everything on the earth while simultaneously handling all of the things in the heavenlies to just to bring it like, what an amazing tightrope. I mean, I'm telling you that just, even in writing, just in writing stories, everything that Christ is able to do and the nuances, just the tiniest thing you wouldn't even think of that Christ fulfills, it is fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. It, you know, and for me, like as in my younger days, whenever I was just toying around with it, I just, that was the one thing that I could never get past. It was like, this man was must have been something else. Even if he wasn't God and he wasn't all those other things, this man, if he was real and he was here, he must have been something else. I mean, he changed the world. 
That that's true. Or somebody somebody certainly. He's did, just this or... little dude in sandals walking in the desert, man. Like he changed the world. He really did. I mean, he changed the calendar. You know, yeah. He changed the calendar. And I had said I made a mistake in an earlier podcast that I said that uh, the that the uh, calendar was changed in the birth of Jesus is actually in the death of Jesus is whenever the calendar changed. I think. I think that I think I'm right. Sounds you know. good to me. Yeah, we'll go for it. Anyway. We know you're right. <laughs> if listen, you guys are catching on. You know, <laughs> it's really good. Anyway, thank you, Cherry. Thank you, Rick. Andrew Aaron Bishop. Thank you, sir. Am I in trouble? <laughs> you are in trouble. Anyway, thanks so much, guys, and uh we'll catch up with you next time. All right, thanks, man. See ya. 